Live Above the Noise, the Choiceful Family Project. Welcome to Live Above the Noise, the Choiceful Family Project. I'm your host, Wayne Yurcha. This is podcast number one, and these podcasts are all about how to protect and prepare your children for the future. And to start, I have a question for you. Who will be in charge of your children's future? Now, you may be thinking, what do you mean? Won't my children be in charge of their own future? Well, that depends. Just take a moment and think about the state of our world. How much has changed since you were growing up? Today, we live in a world of noise, distraction, distortion, disruption, and overload. A world dominated by tech, media, and consumerism. And every minute of every day, these three powerful forces work together to sell our children the illusion of independence and control, while at the same time shaping everything they think, feel, and do, conditioning and manipulating them to make choices that serve someone else's interest. In fact, the troubling truth is our children are being trained to be what we call choiceless. So in this new podcast, we'll be working to change that. We'll be focusing on how to protect our children and prepare them to thrive in this age of noise by helping them develop the three critical cornerstones for a positive future, awareness, ability, and control. We call that becoming choiceful. And it's not something that's taught in schools. And to guide us in this process, I'm very pleased to introduce my longtime friend and podcast partner, Dr. Rob Ryer. Dr. Ryer is a highly respected developmental and educational psychologist and a top media expert who has worked at the highest levels of the kids' media and entertainment industries. He's the co-author of two books and the creator of The Entertainment Method for Raising Choiceful Children. And he's joining us now. Hello, Rob. How are things in Los Angeles? Beautiful, beautiful, Wayne. Things are gorgeous. All is well in L.A. <laughs> okay. Well, it doesn't get much better than that, I guess. <laughs> is that because you live where the weather is always great and I live up here in Canada where it always, well, I can't say it always sucks. It doesn't. It's, it's, it's nice up here, too. And for our listeners, I live in uh, Victoria, B.C., Canada, a medium-sized Canadian city. And Rob lives in Los Angeles, a metropolis where I assume the noise is worse than where we are down here, Rob. Definitely, definitely. The traffic's worse. The noise is worse. So therefore, you have to learn how to live above the noise. <laughs> That's right, which is what we're going to be doing in this. So let's just get going because the noise is a problem no matter where you live. So to start, I'd like to deal with something that I referred to in the introduction. And that is that our kids are being trained to think, feel, and behave in ways that are often not in their best interest and not beneficial to their positive development. Now, trained is a strong word, and I'm sure there are parents out there who are saying, what do you mean by trained? My kids aren't being trained. So I think we need to talk about that a little bit. Rob, could you explain what we mean by trained? Trained is an interesting word, Wayne, and it really has to do with learning. It's how do I learn something? So if we go back to the simple way that any individual learns something, there's a stimulus and there's a response and there's a reward. If I'm being trained, I'm rewarding you as a consumer. How do I do that? 
I give you something nice, juicy, delicious, that makes you feel good. I reward you through the chemistry that shows up when you feel good. Now that applies to social media, that applies to entertainment, that applies to video gaming. And when that gets to a certain level where you can't control that anymore, we call it addiction. It's basically a stimulus response reaction with a reward that you lose control of over time. So that would be drugs, for example. I give you the drug. It makes you feel good. There's pleasure. There's chemistry. You're rewarded. And over time, you may not be able to control that. You may be trained because it feels good and the world around you may not. And when that feel-good energy and chemistry happens, I want more of the feel-good. And therefore, I'm trained. I'm trained in pleasure. Trained in pleasure. That's an interesting concept. Is that where our kids are today in terms of their relationship with their tech media and consumerism? It's not hard to understand why we are addicted to our smartphones and to television and to videos and to gaming and to pleasure-inducing information. The brain is being trained in pleasure and in addiction from multiple sources that are good at that training. And therefore, the brain is rewiring itself in a way where it enjoys more of that, wants more of that. People have a hard time admitting that they can't put their phone down. But why is that? And when did that happen? When all of a sudden it became difficult to not pick that phone up or to check it 25, 35, 55 times a day. When in the world did that start? And what's driving it? What's under it? It's the chemistry that's under it. It's the brain wiring that's under it. And there's no relief in sight. So this is the major change that's occurred in society. People know how to give you pleasure chemistry, pleasure biology. And so if you're not thinking about it on a biological level, and you're only thinking about it on a cognitive level or a cultural level, you're missing what's going on here, which is people have figured out how to make information pleasurable, and pleasurable information can become addictive. You know, I think your point about biology and culture is really critical. We see our kids' obsession and addiction to their devices as a cultural problem. Why do they have to be on their devices all the time? We don't see it as our kids being hooked by a chemical, biological reaction that in many cases is being intentionally generated by the conditioning techniques being built into devices, apps, and products. I also don't think that we realize just how much more vulnerable our kids are than we are, given that their brains aren't fully developed until they're 25 to 30 years old. And we're looking at it from our developed adult perspective. And that's assuming that our kids' development isn't disrupted by too much noise. And for all our listeners, we really recommend that you take a look at a stunning article called Tech Companies Use Persuasive Design to Get Us Hooked. The link to that is just below this first podcast on the homepage of our website, which, of course, is liveabovethenoise.com. So, Rob, you've been concerned about this for some time now, haven't you? I know you've written two books that dealt with a lot of it. I think our listeners would find it interesting to know that the first book was about the psychology of marketing to kids. But the second book, written a few years later, was called Kidnapped, 
how irresponsible marketers are stealing the minds of your children. That is one big shift. Obviously, something changed in your thinking. So can you tell us what made you so concerned about the direction things were going that you felt the need to write that second book to raise the alarm for parents? Yeah, well, between those two books, what was happening is I was in 500 meetings with people that were creating children's products and programs. And the first thing I realized that anytime I brought up the concept of development or consciousness or thoughtfulness, conversation was immediately shifted. We're not interested in those kinds of things. We're interested in consumerism. Which I think can be translated to, we just want to sell products. We don't want to worry about whether they are good for kids or not. I remember you some time ago telling me about a company coming to you looking for ways to hook kids on a violent video game. You, of course, refused to do that. But, you know, I, I mean, we know there are companies out there that do care about kids' well-being. But as a general proposition, to find companies interested only in profit margins is really disappointing. And maybe I'm naive, but I don't think it should be the case. So it isn't hard to see how that perspective could lead some companies to focus on that training we're talking about. And as bad as it was back then, both the level and sophistication of that manipulation has really increased in the years since your second book, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, manipulation at that time was not anywhere near the scale that it has become. People were not doing testing of the, the areas of the brain that light up when you show them certain stimuli. That's called neuromarketing, which is happening today. So the advances that took place in the digital realm, as well as the experts in persuasion and manipulation, have been pretty incredible. The digital world has exploded along with the ability to manipulate the mind in multiple ways and at multiple levels. And it's much, much different and much more powerful than it was. It's huge business, huge business. And we have people at the helm that don't allow their own kids to be digitally addicted, but at the same time promote products and programs that addict the planet. So in the face of these challenges, this new reality, what do our children need to, to do to take charge of their lives, to be successful today? Basically, what it takes uh, nowadays to be successful is will and skill. Will and skill are necessary to be motivated. And if you're manipulated in ways that reduce your thoughtfulness and make you more automatic, they're robbing you of that combination of will and motivation plus the use of your will to develop your skill. We talk about it as awareness and ability and control which is choicefulness. They're robbing you of your ability to be choiceful. So what are the consequences of that then, of children being robbed of the opportunity to fully develop their awareness, their ability, and their control? With the speed of change, the pressure, the overload, and the power of the big three, tech media and consumers and joining forces within a framework or a context or a society where speed, speed, speed is everything, and you can't control the speed. There's a lot more pain because you're not in charge as much as you think you are. 
Many of the people that create that incoming information have figured out what the pleasure chemicals are in the human brain. And they feed us the information to train us because pleasure is always more important to individuals, especially under stress, than pain is. So things have pleasure chemistry and things have pain chemistry. And when there's more pain, there's reaching out for more solutions for the pain, which sometimes results in certain things that feel good, like social media you know, and movies and entertainment. And then the things that demand more work, that demand me to focus my attention for longer periods of time in order to be successful, they're not as much fun anymore, especially in a society that has become the entertainment economy. So what am I going to do? I'm most likely to gravitate toward those things. And the things that are harder, more difficult, demand more time, and energy on my part, and more willpower, and higher levels of motivation, those things will take a back seat. Well, what you just said there is really troubling. The idea that something difficult, or something that requires more effort, or more reflection, or more motivation, is something that may just end up being not done, because it doesn't feed them pleasure, pleasure chemicals, the implications of that for their future are just disturbing at the very least. I mean, it has incredible implications from the standpoint of their careers, from their education, to their relationships and everything. And when you mentioned pain, we're really seeing that, I think. There have been alarming increases in anxiety, depression, sleep problems, and, and other things in our kids. So what do you think this is going to mean for the future? if we don't do something to intervene now. I think we're going to see more of the haves and the have-nots, the people that are flexible, that are thoughtful, that have the ability to adjust, to think. They have the ability for self-management. They'll be ready for the future, which is moving faster and faster. If you're not, you'll be left behind. You're going to wind up on the short end of things, and that's painful. It's going to be very painful emotionally, not to be able to be successful because the toolbox is not in place. And just to clarify, Rob, when you say the toolbox, what exactly do you mean? I'm talking about your ability in self-management skills. Do you think self-management is something that's seen as being an important skill in our culture? I mean, is it emphasized in our educational system? Or when you talk to parents, is it something that they are concerned about? in regard to their children's future? I don't see that very often. I don't hear it very often. I don't hear parents talking about that as the primary skill. Our worldview within this culture has bought into the fact that, that you're smarter if you know and have more digital skills and that the future belongs to those that are very sharp digitally and technologically. It's typically what the schools have bought into. Basically, the technology and the digital solution is the answer. That sort of pretty much captures the worldview of the culture, the worldview of education, the worldview of many parents, not all parents, and that doesn't match the research. And the research says that 93% of employers agree 
that if somebody's coming to them for a job, they want someone to think critically, communicate clearly, and solve complex problems. That's what's going on with employers. It's going to be the people that are flexible, that have a set of skills, that understand themselves, can manage their future, and understand how to change when the culture changes, because it's unbelievable in terms of the speed of change that's occurring. Well, there are a lot of people that do feel that because things are changing quickly, that preparing children for the future means more tech. The tech is the answer. What do you say to them? Well, I'd say to them, then let's take a look at what we're noticing happening in the culture with our youth. If the schools are using it and we're finding higher levels of depression, more bullying taking place, less self-thoughtful, reflective skills, higher levels of anxiety among students. And then we ask, how is technology either helping us move through that or creating more of it? So what are people missing here? We know tech can be extremely valuable and beneficial, but when we lose control, when we lose our balance, when we allow our tech to replace our critical thinking, we allow it to dictate how we use our time, you know, what our relationships are like, even what's supposed to be important to us, it's no longer a tool. It's working against us. So, Rob, why don't people see that? I think they've basically not expanded the light side and the dark side, both sides of technology. So most people believe it is the salvation and it is the quick fix. And it does that for certain things. You know, like, for example, a quick fix is, where's my child today? I'm not quite sure. Okay, I'm going to text my child. I got a text back. He's over to his friend's house. He'll be there until six o'clock tonight. Beautiful. Isn't tech wonderful? And that is good. You know, so that's a positive advantage. But there's another side of that. And that's the side that is showing us that the digital arena has its own elements that have to be carefully understood. That's when you really have to understand how to help kids become more choiceful. Yeah, it's kind of strange today, isn't it? I mean, we've made it easier to find out where our children are, but harder to know who they really are. Quite the irony there. You just mentioned that we really need to understand how to help our children become more choiceful. So let's first define choicefulness. We define it as the awareness, ability, and control necessary to make wise, thoughtful, self-directed choices. So let's just break that down a, a little bit. Uh, Rob, as a developmental psychologist, why are awareness, ability, and control so critical? Why do we focus on those three things? Yeah, great question. And when you think about that, that awareness is the gateway to ability. If your awareness is broken, if you process information that's poor, if you don't have the ability to filter your information, if garbage in becomes what's turned into garbage out, your abilities are diminished significantly based on that incoming information and your ability to select it. What we know is that the information that is coming into our awareness doubles every couple of years, maybe two to three years. So we're getting more and more and more information. Much of that information is commercial. Much of that information is designed to get you to purchase, to become a consumer. 
So now the name of the game is, how is it that I learn to select the incoming information? How do I become more aware and also be able to filter and select that information? Now, here's the trick. Once your abilities are diminished, your ability to control the world around you and control yourself are diminished. So we use that framework. This is basically the the foundation is understand how to alter your awareness to be sharper at what you select, what your information is. That will allow you to build your abilities, strengthen your abilities, use that information to become everything you can be. And when you do that, you can control the world around you and the world within you at a higher level. So choicefulness is the key to a successful future. And awareness, ability, and control are the cornerstones of choicefulness. So the question then becomes, how do we help our children develop awareness, ability, and control? Now, you've mentioned that we live in the entertainment economy, and I think every parent would agree that their kids are absolutely immersed in entertainment. So, Rob, I know that you've developed a new method, a powerful new method, based on your decades of experience in the entertainment and media industries, that helps parents communicate with their children and develop awareness, ability, and control. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, we're going to be using a unique method called entertainment, I-N-N-E-R, that says let's use entertainment in a way that creates will and skill to help families and children become more choiceful. And the reason we're using that method is because currently, 97% of teens' time is on tech that is spent passively consuming entertainment media. And we're seeing that that has already embedded itself in how children are using technology and digital media. So we have to therefore come at this idea of how do you help parents, how do you help kids, not saying don't do that, but using a different form of it in a way that creates will and skill, that gets people motivated, that makes them want to get involved. So entertainment is a method that we're going to be using that doesn't say entertainment is bad. It says let's use it to create awareness, ability, and control. Let's use entertainment to help families and children become more choiceful. And there is a way to do that. And that's what what we'll be doing in the future. We're looking forward to getting into that soon. And I think, Rob, that our listeners would be interested to know that you created and taught the first entertainment course in the country. Now, that was at the university level, and you've now adapted that very successful course in order to use the entertainment method for these podcasts so that you can help families with children of all ages to become more choiceful. I know you've also worked with the Baylor School of Medicine using the entertainment method to help children make better eating choices. And I understand that you've got a major webinar follow-up of that project that you're going to be doing for doctors and other medical professionals and staff. So we're going to start unfolding this entertainment method around podcast number nine or so. But before that, we feel like we really want to lay the foundation for choicefulness. So the first podcast will focus on topics we feel are essential for parents to understand. Topics like the cycle of noise and time design. 
And we do suggest that you listen to the podcast in order, if you can, because each podcast is designed to build upon the preceding podcasts. Also, some of our podcasts will feature special guests, from parents to a wide range of experts, and will cover a number of topics related to choicefulness. Topics like critical thinking, resilience, attention, relationships, communication, and more. And Rob, what are some of the other topics that we'll be covering? Well, we're going to tackle the topics that parents are really struggling with, topics like bullying and anxiety, test anxiety, and things that are happening in schools now that are changing dramatically, and stress for parents. That's another topic is their own personal stress. How do I use entertainment with my children in order to deal with my own stress that I'm having as an adult? So we're going to cover a wide range of contemporary topics And based on the entertainment structure, we're going to set it up as a playbook, an entertainment playbook that allows you, once you understand the framework and how it works, you can begin to understand specific areas of concern in your life and how to work yourself through those particular areas using an entertainment technique. Well, I think people are going to really find that valuable. Everybody has areas of their life that they'd like to improve as well as helping their family and kids become more choiceful. And I also want to point out another resource for parents. It's the Noise Watch page on our website. Every week we search the web for the latest information that parents need to know, and then we post links to this information on our Noise Watch page. So we hope you'll all check that out. Now to finish things up for this podcast, we just want to say that choicefulness is not something that our kids are taught in schools. It's something that parents and other family members need to help their kids develop. That's why we call this the Choiceful Family Project. Developing choicefulness is a process. It's not a quick fix, but it enriches our lives from the moment we begin. We believe that it is something that our children and our society desperately need, especially these days. If you feel the same way, We invite you to join us, and we hope that you'll tell your friends. And if you're a member of an organization or group that shares our belief in the power of choicefulness, we'd love to hear from you at info at liveabovethenoise.com. So I guess that's just about it for podcast number one. Podcast number two is called Why Noise is Such a Threat to Your Children's Future. We hope you'll join us. So thank you, Rob, and thanks to all of you for listening. And until podcast number two, live above the noise. Hello, everyone. If you'd like to get our email update about new podcasts, tips and tools, and all the latest information, please sign up for our Noise Watch update on our liveabovethenoise.com website.